Hello, everyone. Um, welcome. This is a podcast about a film called Dilettantes, which we put together. Uh, this is four of us on the podcast right now. Myself, Simon Kincaid, who is a producer and editor. Dylan Bentlage, who is the writer and also a producer. Brian Riley, our third producer. And Jasper Van Dyke, who composed the score for the film. Together, we're going to be talking a little bit about the process that went into it, our takeaways, things we wish we had done differently, and just kind of diving in a little bit deeper into this process that's been the past two years of making this film. So hope you enjoy and stay with us. Hello. Yes. Yeah, Hi. hello. I'm, we're all here and we're just talking about the process of making the movie and like yeah. our takeaways from it and just kind of all the work that went into it kind of I guess as like a companion piece or just supplemental material to the film itself. The film's called Dilettantes. And, uh, yeah, like you said, Dylan, it took the better part of two years. I mean, yeah, I think even longer than two years if we go all the way back to you writing it. I, you know, the point yeah. at which all of us became involved was, like, fall, winter 2017. But you were even writing it before that. So it's been a long time coming, for sure. No, absolutely. Wow. Yeah. Actually, Jasper, you were the first person I talked to about uh, the film with. I remember it, dude. It was a it was a sunny Thursday afternoon. Wow, you remember it very well. Yes. <laughs> um, Dylan, do you remember like writing the script? Um, yeah, I do I... actually. Yeah, I mean, so you know that the um, the story is like kind of based um, off a couple friends of mine and uh, myself, and I kind of just fabricated the um, the real story, you know, because obviously it's not as interesting as film should be. Um, but I do remember, <laughs> I do remember writing it. I remember the day I came up with the idea because I just got really drunk at a bar and did some stupid things that, uh, I probably should not say if this is actually being recorded and, um, <laughs> watch the movie, just we'll watch the movie. The, That's probably the, what well, you yeah. should do. I was going to say like, you're not really hiding anything because you made an entire movie about it. So <laughs> that's like, a good point. Yeah. It's so, a little bit uh, too late to be embarrassed about it now. That That's fair. But I would say <laughs> let's just not like get into the dirty deets of what happened back then. So you have to watch the movie. Um, and I remember the point. Yeah. It's a teaser. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, I remember calling Simon the next day to talk to him about it mm-hmm. because I was so uh, embarrassed. I felt really kind of uh, – like an idiot. I usually do that when I move from place to place. I do one dumb thing the first week I'm there. Like that's my strategy. Uh, Cause how can it get, get any, out of the way? How can it get any worse? Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I don't know. I called Simon and I remember saying like, this would probably make a good movie. And I just started writing it from there. So. Yeah. And then I wanted to ask you guys, maybe Brian, you can say first, what do you, what you remember about first reading Dylan's draft of the script, like the first draft that you read and what your first thoughts and impressions were. I remember it being really long. (laughs) (laughs) Yep, yep. Once a lot of fat was trimmed, I was like, now this is a movie. We got it. It was just like, you know, to the point, um, had interesting character arcs. And I, I don't know, at first I was like, you know, where's this going? But then after like 10 pages, I, I got like really into it and I just like couldn't stop reading it. And I was like, all right, we're going somewhere. We're making a movie. It's happening. Hello, Sundance. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Page was 10. It, I'm curious. Was it anything like when the when the footage started like coming out and you started piecing the film together? Was it 
similar to how you had imagined it when you were reading the script or was it like not what you had pictured? Yeah, because obviously things take on a life of their own when you get yeah, like, a I think director things change and a DP in the process too, and, and like actually film in a location. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Ah, man, well, for me, any, for me anyway, when we were doing auditions, and everyone we ended up with for the main cast, I know Zach for Lloyd, Lewis for Arch, Sam for Cat, and then um, Lizzie for Danny, all of them kind of look like what I envisioned all these characters mm. just in terms of basic features I was like oh yeah Sam looks like Kat Lizzie looks like Danny mm. and so um, that's funny that's yeah, that funny that, out, that you just read you, you know you read a character on a page usually there's very minimal description of what they look like I feel like in Dil all of the four main characters were like the description was like Early twenties, young, attractive, <laughs> and yeah, that's it. Like, yeah. uh, but it's funny that you read a person and you read the the lines that they're saying and kind of get a sense of who they are, and that gives you a picture in your head of what they should look like, even though there's really, you know, they could, it's it's pretty arbitrary. But you do have an idea, and I remember, I don't know if I had a clear idea of what everyone should look like, but I also remember Brian watching those audition videos and just you kind of just know like. Mm, they don't have the like essence of what we're looking for in this person or oh my god yeah they totally do and usually it's not because they're acting really well and performing well as this character because they only got like a couple of pages of you know of sides to do it's you just watch them and you're like they seem actually similar as who they are to this person right so we should probably cast them as this person yeah i remember thinking that with lizzie like her audition tape, I was like, "Whoa, this is Danny, all right." Mm-hmm. Yeah, when they embody the character really well, like already mm-hmm. naturally, I feel like that decision gets super easy. Then, right? They do you do some of the work for you. Yeah, yeah. Especially because they're based off real characters, so like or real people. So I don't know for you guys, it might be a little bit different, but when I'm watching it, it's like you really just start to see the little mannerisms and like micro things a person does that just reminds you of that person. It might. Uh, that you might have based the character off of, or also for you guys, just people you know in real life that you associate with that character, right? Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, it's interesting. Like, so the movie for me, like coming from a, from like a music standpoint, um, I really enjoyed it because it was so real life and you, it was so relatable and. I was basically scoring, it felt like I was scoring my own life in a sense. Well, you guys both actually said something really interesting when, when it was finally done and we were talking about it a little bit was um, how Jasper, you said like, if the only thing that we came away with with this project is to like create a very sense of like nostalgia and longing for Boston, specifically for us, then I think that really works well in spades. And then you had this really interesting point of like, you're core audience should be the people close to you in order to relate to it because you made it with them. That's your first goal. And like you accomplish that ring of people. And then there's that next ring of people who can associate with the film, maybe not on like a personal level, but like a Boston level, like being in university in Boston. And then it goes further than that to be maybe university in general. And you just kind of keep trying to build those rings of people who can kind of relate to at least one thing of the movie. And if you can do that, then you've done your job. And Sai, you had that point that's also like, you you specifically mentioned to me that it would it was really making you long for Boston, but also in general, just like the experiences you've had with the people you were making it with, and like what's Absolutely. really important with the movie itself. Well, yeah, there's multiple levels of that because there's the level to which you know 
you're taking we're taking our own experiences drawing from our own lives and putting that into like film form so watching that makes you nostalgic for those experiences but also then after the process of making the film you've connected with all these new people you've have so many memories related to the actual making of it so you're you're you know nostalgic for that experience of making it the collaborative thing of like just shooting and being so tight with these people and further back remembering oh I remember getting to my my freshman dorm and like walking in and being so excited and so nervous and you know like so yeah. horny <laughs> like, <I know>. like, <laughs> all of those things all at once um but yeah I can't wait for it yeah. <laughs> and I feel Good like too yeah I, I feel like too what you were saying Dylan about the rings I think one of the things that to me because because obviously when you first told the idea to me like oh I, I want to write this movie or I am writing this movie and I think we can make it like obviously I was super excited because I was like oh my god yes I want to make a feature film that's what I want to do so like this would be a great opportunity to do that but of course there's the part of your brain that's like well is this like is this doable and also is it going to be something that's worth our time and when I read the script even though like Brian said there was a lot of stuff that I was just like oh I don't really see why this is in here there were specific moments where I just thought oh like this is really relatable on a level not just about like going to college or being in Boston being in Boston but being about being young and having these complicated feelings for the people in your life having these very close friends and like these sexual relationships that you just don't fully understand yet I'm really happy that I had you guys around for that type of stuff especially because like so you got you got like we all came from uh, from different angles with the film it's also partially why like we chose to have a female cinematographer and a female director in order to really kind of get that other angle on the film because it's so much about like uh, kids our age, but not just guys, you know, so we can't get in the head of that. Um, but the same with you guys is like, I've not, I have not had that experience of having like a college relationship and like being in something that was like kind of a little bit more serious than the things you had in high school. So having you guys there to really kind of it, bring that scene to life in certain ways that I appreciate, especially your score, Jasper, because those scenes, particularly for me, I find the weaker points of the film. And the only thing that really saved it was listening to the musical like uh, components. Actually, everybody who's seen it so far has mentioned that their favorite, one of their favorite components is the score. So that's a, that's a nice. huge compliment. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I do. I do Good remember stuff. Dylan of uh, being very grateful that from, early on you were like yes I wrote this you know this is about my experiences but I want it to be a very collaborative process and I want everyone to bring their own perspective into this it's not just like help me tell my story this is like you know a thing that we're all going to do together and that's the that's the fun of it for, for me sure. is, is the collaborative aspect of making a film of having your own ideas and putting them out there but also hearing other people's ideas that are different from yours. And I feel like all of that, there's so, there's so many steps to the process that you go to go through and there's so many people that eventually become a part of it that all of that kind of seeps in. And even if it started as like one person's vision, it by the end is just this mix of a whole bunch of different people kind of putting their selves into it which which is like cool to see now that we've gone start to finish on it you know the only reason i did that is so in case it really turned out like complete shit i didn't i wouldn't take all the blame problem. the truth reveals itself
I will say though, <laughs> while watching the film and you know knowing the actors, uh, the crew, I see at certain points in the film like different aspects that really highlight the collaborative aspect. You know, like all a lot of beautiful B-roll shots. That's Marina doing her thing, her vision. Totally. A yeah. lot of um, like in the acting sense, obviously the actors, but also Sarah's direction and like her unique spin on like how they should act in certain parts, you know, the writing both on Dylan's end and you and me, Simon, are editing. Right, right, right. the score from Jasper really highlighting weaker points of the film or just making... Don't forget Terrence as well. Terrence is... uh, Terrence Terrence is... Honestly, yeah, MVP right there saved the film for a lot of of moments. He's made so much of it sound super crisp when it was just like wind noise and a few (laughs) words here and there you can make it. It does a lot. Faulty boom mic operators. Damn faulty boom mic operators. Yeah, we'll we'll definitely have to get to all the shit that we did badly and all the oh, yeah. mistakes we made and the stuff that we regret but i feel like i'm, look, I'm just looking finished. at the all, yeah oh, oh you guys have the you guys have the dyna list up because i was gonna ask brian if he could pull it up guys i like, do we do have it up let uh, me into like the next question i want to ask like specifically what you guys think um yeah 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 is something that you see and you're like i did that that's me all right so yeah dylan one of the topics you thought we could maybe talk about was what individually was our favorite piece of the movie that we contributed to specifically whether it was a scene we wrote or shot or did score for or what was your contribution that you were kind of most proud of and then it looks like also what was a thing that you did that you wish you could take back yeah fuck yeah. i wish i never pitched it like <laughs> yeah 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 that's always a, that's always wanna, a juicy question yeah well, let's start with you guys over on the west uh, west coast I mean, for me, it's easy. For me, it's an easy one. Okay. Uh, yeah. So when I look at it and say that was all me, it was the score. Yeah, and obviously. But, but a, was there a specific specific part, part scene that, that you're like, I say, like a specific part that you go and you say, you know what, I saved that scene, or I just enhanced it so much. I you know, one of the scenes that came out honestly as my one of my favorites was the end of the first act with uh, Arch and Lloyd meeting up at the bench. Mm-hmm. And that whole sequence where they realize they've met each other before. Right. That was sort of drawn out in the beginning, and it felt like a very just awkward, long conversation. But with the music, that ended up actually working so well. And you you really got the sense that Arch was, like, kind of a bad influence on Lloyd. And, like, and you, you there was definitely some foreshadowing with that scene mm-hmm. into the next act. And I thought, I thought it just led really well into the next scene. And I actually... There's another favorite scene of mine that I love so much with the music is the is the the restaurant scene, whether it's like happening at the same time, but Arch and Lloyd are having a conversation, and Cat and Danny are having oh, a conversation. Yeah. Oh yeah, we did split screen, and it was sort of a yeah, it was sort of a little montage or like a little I don't know, like an art piece, I guess. Yeah, and the score and the score really helped like bring that alive I thought. absolutely that's yeah. one of the that's one of the best cool. scenes i think in the movie actually uh for me like that that i think you did a great job there jasper and every mm-hmm. time i watch it it's it's between that one and the scene where archie's leaving cat's dorm room um, yeah that one when they when they're crossing each other in the hall i think is a lot of people that's brought a, up to me as well it's a great score right there 
Yeah, that was that was really well. Were there any executed. moments for you then that you were like, ah, oh, I wish I could have done that differently? Very much so, again? man. Like pretty oh, much that's... every single one of every note I've written. Oh my god, that's <laughs> no, so funny. I, that's I would say the the scene that comes to mind the most is the uh, the scene where Lloyd's late for class. I wish I would have added something more to that or made it a bit more ex- exciting. I don't know, yeah. like. That was it. Was an interesting process for me because I'd never done a folk score before. That mm-hmm. like you had sent me Shaky Graves as references, and I was like, "That's true." I have no idea how I'm going to accomplish this. Uh-huh. I, I don't play guitar. <laughs> I don't, like, and something I realized I would something I wish I would have done differently was <laughs> team up with like a folk artist and like right, right, maybe right. done it that way because they would have had more chops with the guitar that you know that sort of would have alleviated a lot of the work on my end and would have probably made the score a bit better just because... But I but it came out very dilettante-ish. So I, I think I, in the spirit of the film, I think it came out the way it needed to come out. Mm-hmm. So, but that Actually, scene particularly. Just yeah. on this question alone in the score itself, like I really want to know as well, if like for us, what do we think is like our favorite moment that we look at and say, "Oh, that was Jasper" or "That was Kyle"? Like, because I have a lot of those. If I had to yeah, we shouldn't forget Kyle art. Franklin. Yeah, that is. Yeah, we definitely need to. Uh, we definitely need to um, say a few words about Kyle Franklin. He was also the Jasper's partner on the on the whole film. It would not have yep. been possible without Kyle as well. So. Before we move on to something that, like, Sai, you see and you look at as yourself, like, what mm-hmm. what part of the score is your favorite or contribution from Jasper and oh. Kyle? Oh, man. I, it's, it's so hard to tell. I think for me, actually, <clears throat> rather than pick a specific part, I just, watching them do the score and ha- having it plug into our movie and watching the progression of that changed my opinion so much because I remember at the beginning when we were having conversations about, oh, we should do music for this scene or what what scenes should we do music for? What kind of music? I feel like I was always the one being like, I don't know if we need music for this scene. Like, I don't, I don't know. Like, I don't want to rely too much on it because mm-hmm. I was hesitant of like sometimes feeling like if you just put music in every scene, you're just dictating the emotions that people should feel and not leaving there to be room for ambiguity. Mm-hmm. And I wanted this film to have a lot of ambiguity but I think it does and I realized later on watching the score in not only does it enhance that ambiguity in some places but also like it is so hard to make a scene good enough that it just works without any music like from a craft perspective especially because we're doing this in such a low budget kind of like thrown together way you have to in order for a scene to just be able to play through and watch it and be engaging without any music like the writing has to be excellent. The camera work has to be excellent. The lighting has to be good. The sound has to be good. You know, the acting has to be good. All the pieces have to be like all the way to the top for you, mm-hmm. for you to get away with it. And that's something I didn't realize until there, I saw so many scenes that didn't work without music because one of those things was not at the level it should have been. Yeah. And then you put in music and it immediately just erases that and it's so much smoother it's so much more engaging and so for me it was like a a, an an epiphany really of like how important that is to like just making everything cohesive and also I feel like bridging the gaps and just keeping the momentum going like Mm. between scenes that if you just cut from one place to the to another without music it would feel kind of awkward but if you have a musical cue going underneath it just like feels so much smoother and so I was like wow I, I was 
I'm so wrong. You I'm know? glad you say that. Because <laughs> in the process, I got to say, you were always the more hesitant on, like you yeah, said. But, yeah, yeah, And it was Dylan who was always like, more music, more music, more music. <laughs> it's true. And it's definitely true. it was always like a really nice, like, comp, like balance of fire and ice. And like, <laughs> I thought it was, it was interesting to work like that. And I think... I, I, th- I would say a job well done if we convinced you of that. But yeah, yeah, it's definitely. Yeah, definitely a job, a job well done. But yeah, but I was always the one who's like, yo, this scene sucks. Like, we need to <laughs> Which I think maybe you're a little bit like, uh, you're always a little bit more um, harsh on your own craft or like your own story. But like, of course, dude, there were some seriously rough parts of this movie that you fixed up, like beyond belief. Oh, uh, you, got a, nice. you got a moment that, um, you think uh, that you look at it and you're like, holy shit, that Jasper and Kyle, if we didn't have them, we would have been fucked. Exactly. Uh, this first note isn't really on the we'd be fucked part, but the one of the final scenes with Arch and Kat doing their long argument discussion, you know, I always thought that was a scene that didn't need music because it was just really well done. Like, the emotion was there, everything that they were... Uh, frustrated about or worried about you know you can feel it i always felt that watching that scene but like halfway through like once the score comes in i get more captivated by what's going on I'm like whoa shit's getting real mm-hmm. and i know i just like it took that scene from being like really good to just like fantastic if i can add to that i felt the same way actually me and Kyle both were in agreement at first that that scene was like so well done and didn't need any music like we didn't want to get in the way of it either uh but it wasn't until we realized that it the ending is needs to be super climactic because everything's been building up towards this and Mm -hmm. that actually now that i'm thinking about it that's my favorite scene (laughs) so like (laughs) because it was just the the amalgamation of all these different emotions and all this tension that's like either like like underlying or like very upfront and like it all sort of came together in those last few scenes and scoring that was such a pleasure. Like I had such a fun time Absolutely. doing that. Uh, shout out to, uh, definitely shout outs to Marina for doing the majority of uh, the uh, film, but um, shout out to Simon for getting that scene going. Six minute one taker is not an easy thing to do, man. And that was you, really you, impressive. You, you killed it, you know? Well, that, you, that was my, that was probably going to be my answer for what I was most proud of. There, There's one other thing in terms of my contributions, but I was pretty happy that our cinematographer Marina couldn't be there that day. And I shot the six minute scene in one take with no focus puller, you know, with all this movement. And yeah, that, but that was so cool because it, I do agree with, it came out as being one of the best scenes in the movie. And it was one of the scenes we had planned the least for. Like, I think it was, I think a lot of it was already there on the page and we knew that this was going to be an important moment and a good moment if it was done well, but we literally didn't have like a plan for how we were going to shoot it i don't think we sarah, showed up sarah was late that day too our director was late to the set so me and simon had to start the day by ourselves and now you just have these two two of us like two dudes who you know claim we know a lot about putting movies together but then when it comes time to it i'm like we're having troubles with a, a zoom eight you know just to get like some sound recording done a couple of dilettantes <laughs> couple of dilettantes right there a couple but of i'm pretty sure i'm pretty sure sarah was the one who was like no let's do it as a let's do it as a long take like we were we, she kind of showed up and we were like yeah like we don't really know how to shoot this scene there's so it's like so many pages long it's one of the longest scenes and like we don't want it to take too long. So like, I guess we could just try and do it as one. And she was like, yes, let's do that. She was like, I feel like she had the confidence to just say like, 
we haven't planned for this at all, but like, yes, let's just do it this way. And we were kind of like, all kind of like, okay, like that'll be fun to try. I know there's a part of me that was like, this might not work at all, but it surprisingly, surprisingly worked. Worked. We pulled it off. So yeah. Shout out to Sarah for just being like, no guys, we got this. Like, Right, and then so figuring out where everyone needs to go. And so we've yeah. kind of naturally transitioned into what your favorite part is that you contributed. What was the thing that you looked at and you're like, holy shit, I wish I never pitched it. Okay. Um, does it, hmm. I mean, uh, some of the technical stuff, definitely, that I've still beat myself up about. Like, again, if there was a scene where, like, I was operating camera, there was a couple scenes that I just forgot to white balance and just looked like so gross and you know was kind of able to fix in color correction later on but still wasn't didn't look as good as they could have as does that count or is that too like nitty-gritty is it more like an idea or a big picture thing because um, i feel like i don't I think know that counts i think it, it, i think what you were talking what you were meaning was that like anything in the process right like we're talking about the process of the film and like and, and the things that you're proud of them, the things that you did it differently. And like all of my thing is technical too. Right, um, right, right. A lot of it was like, I wish we would have logistically had a different source for the music at some points, like an artist or something. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I think feel, that counts. I think that, okay. Because yeah. I, I feel like one of the big things I learned is like, even though you theoretically know how to do everything you need to do to make this movie when there's so much stuff going on at Mm -hmm. once it's inevitable that you'll just forget to do something basic that you understand or not do as good of a job as you would totally because you're also trying to do all these other things at once at the same time man you're playing like as a as a sound recorder as a producer as a runner as an so many hats like yeah like we're playing so many hats at once sometimes that it was really difficult to uh, to just keep track of everything you had to do, you know, I'm I'm still shocked that we didn't lose a single piece of equipment we borrowed, like on on good faith without a freaking written like down like if you lose it you pay for it type thing. And somehow yeah. during the entire shoot, the mess of our apartment, the fact that we were all in our final exams for film like for school except mm-hmm. Brian and graduating in the same month we're trying to do. 24 12 hour days like it's amazing that we didn't lose anything so the days you forget to white balance like you know what i say fuck the white balance if people can get <laughs> some orange <laughs> <laughs> oh man how about you guys brian do you have like a a best and worst best i think would be when i came up to direct a few scenes while sarah was out right. and i directed the end of act one where Lloyd and Arch finally introduced themselves to each other. Mm-hmm. I just really liked the way that scene came out. Uh, we were dealing with really bad sun setting and a lot of people running in front of the camera, like trying to go to class or, I don't know, buy a sandwich. I don't know what they're up to, college kids. <laughs> um, but I think it just it came out really well. I worked out the different angles that I decided to choose to shoot these scenes in order to, you know, counteract the sun shining down and setting and like screwing up the light it really worked out really came out well i was happy i would agree i look at yeah. it i'm like i helped with that one that's a nice mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. for sure and what's the part brian that you kind of look at you're like fuck i wish i never pitched that that's a good question i'm trying to think of what i pitched <laughs> but i know i feel like on a technical side i 
probably didn't need to pitch that I couldn't edit Act One or like do that syncing and sound stuff by myself because I definitely, mm -hmm. looking back, I definitely could have gotten it done because I like put my mind to it when we had like a month to do it and I was like, I got to get all this done. I got to sync all these files. I got to do it. And then, you know, after we had that one incident where I had to do it in one night with this whole, it was like 30 scenes or something and I just did it and all in one night and sent it over to you the next day for you to edit it. And I was like, wow. Yeah. That was a oh lot. God. But clearly I could have done this. Like I didn't need extra help. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. And it would have made the process smoother and more cohesive. What he's talking about, uh, Jasper, and actually for the audience alone about um, what was going on was um, we had different editors doing pre-edits um, for us at the time. So including yeah. me, including, yeah, you know, so including me, right. Simon and Brian, we had two other uh, editors. Um, who were doing like pre-edits for us. And one of them was a cousin of mine who is a very good technical uh, computer student, but not a very good editor. And we had to come uh, through on like a two day notice because he had barely done anything for the project and Brian had to sync everything up. And then I had to put together basically the entirety of the first 15 minutes in, uh, in a day. But uh, I, I, I still think back, man, like sometimes about how much work we put in and now, like with the projects we're doing now and things we do now, like sometimes I feel a little bit lazy to get it done. But I think back to then and I'm like, wow, like, dude, we worked so hard on yeah, something. Yeah, it was, it was on another it was, level. It was on another <laughs> level, man. Honestly, the amount of pleasure, like joy I get out of this project comes so much from the fact that like we, yeah, there was just never too much work. and. Again, not naming names of people we worked with, because obviously nothing went perfectly the whole time when we were doing this. Like we definitely ran into a lot of issues and it was it was pushed back a year to when we thought it would be done. Mm -hmm. um, but we did work with some people that, you know, they they didn't understand the level of like commitment something like this was. And uh, they didn't feel like they could put that type of commitment in. And mm -hmm. um I think, Sai, going back to your whole collaborative thing that I wanted to push and that we as uh, the three producers really did push, um, I think that the reason I really wanted to do that, like not joking about it, was so everyone felt like they were contributing to something important. So it didn't just feel like we were doing a film that was my film and we were asking favors from everybody, but it mm -hmm. felt more like everybody's actually, this is all our films, like everybody together as a collective, not as like just one person hiring a bunch of people because right, right, that's right. the only way you're going to get people to do something that it requires so much, you know? Yeah. Cause none of us were really, I mean like, yeah, I mean, no one who was involved in this project was doing it for the money, like, no. and there we knew no that from there. the beginning because because we didn't have any money, so we were just like, all right, we have to make it so that people want to be a part of this. So that means a we have to like, yeah, give them creative freedom and make it feel like they can contribute, and also just like be understanding of their time and like be good Absolutely. people to work with, and like, of course, the 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 flip side to that is that like sometimes people don't give you as much as you want them to give you yeah. but you yeah you gotta just like you gotta just roll well, with it we worked with some people that were really money um oriented for the project i guess i could say and um i don't want to say that like you know those are not the people we'd want to work with because i think the people that we did get along with and um the people that we still are in contact with um they know that the it, vast majority the of vast everyone. majority yeah it was a great experience but um the, 
they really understand that if we had it, it, it would have gone to them like that. Like we would have, I would have given everything I had to get this done and taken mm-hmm. no money for myself, you know, right. because that's right, really, right. it was just so such an important thing for us. Mm-hmm. Um, and I said, yeah, you're right. The ma- vast majority we're still in contact with and the vast majority out of all the experiences we had with it, the hard days and the easy days, they talk about how they would want to work again altogether. Like you, they drift towards the people they like to work with. And I think that's, if anything, like you said, what's more important, right? The film you first do together or the people you meet that you want to work with again, because everybody's sitting right now at this table versus everyone, you know, that we worked with in the film. Like, it seems like the vast majority is very closely connected and feels very strongly to the, our experience during that month. So that's, yeah. a, that's a nice, that's a nice takeaway. Yeah, for sure. I, and that's like what it's all about for me, like coming from the music standpoint, like all of us like working towards a single goal and like, it's not exactly what you would imagine. So there's a lot of like give and take, right. but I think that's the beauty of it. And it's like chaos, sure. but I would do it again in a, in a, in, in the wink of an eye. Absolutely, we will. And we will. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Someone's the first of many, guys. Um, Yeah. So I guess that answers that question. I didn't really answer it, but, you know, it's just I I contributed the movie, and the thing that I'm most, like, worried that I pitched was the movie. So it's just the same answer. Fair enough. (laughs) I had an idea. um, This might be a weird question, but was there anything, like, initially that you thought would be super difficult to achieve in this project that ended up being easier than you thought and vice versa? I actually have, so uh, originally just for, you know, you guys obviously already know, but people that are going to listen to this, um, we were originally going to have one of the actors sit with us as well, Louis uh, Rizzo, who plays Archie. And uh, I was I was hanging out with him a couple of, what was that smile for, uh, Simon? What's so funny about Archie? Throwing, throwing, no, I'm saying throwing Lou. Oh, I, th- I thought you were about to throw him under the bus. Like, he was supposed to be here for the podcast, but he's not. <laughs> no. That's what I thought you were about to do. No, no, no. I wanted to say, I actually, I'm, we watched it two nights ago in preparation for the podcast. And mm-hmm. um, I asked him these questions, and he gave a really nice answer for... Um, for was there one thing that you initially thought would be very difficult that turned out to be very easy? And he said, yeah, working with uh, Lizzie Short and uh, Sam Valletta, um, the two girls. Two lead actresses. Yeah, two lead actresses. He said originally he was extremely nervous to work with them, but going into mm. it after the, after the first couple of days, he said it was the most enjoyable and easy thing to do. because He I really killed those girls. He yeah. absolutely killed he it, in my opinion, and like stood out, I think. Uh, he was the most, I felt like... Honestly, he's probably my favorite character in this whole thing. Is, wow, that's is so funny. Yeah. 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 He gives a great performance. Yeah, he great really performance does. And, and, he, and Lou had never organic. really acted before going never into acted, this. No. And, he, and he, I, so what he's kind of saying, because Sam and Lizzie were both professional actresses and are professional actresses and had, had training and more experience, so I guess he was like intimidated going into that, which makes total sense, but yeah, you wouldn't know it. Yeah, and, that, I, and I don't mean know. to say that no one else did it. Everyone else did it incredible, too. I just felt that... Arch also has a really interesting plot arc um, for, sure. for him. And, like, the way his character develops, I think, was something I could, like, just fall in love with, like, while writing the music. I don't know. Absolutely. Just speaking, I, I don't want to spoil anything, but, yeah. No, I agree. Sure. I think that Lou, I, I, talking to Lou, he doesn't really realize how much uh, potential he really has in this craft because he lets me know all the time his only experience acting before this was doing those like Spanish listening parts of the test for people because he speaks <laughs> fluent Spanish. And apparently his voice is all over the Netherlands where I live. So he likes to let me know that hilarious. all the time. Um, but Lou, Lou has this natural ability to just react 
to uh, other actors that gives you a real sense of the scene, which is a nice like thing to cut away yeah. to. I've had a lot of conversations about his character because his character seems to be very controversial sometimes as well, which I actually enjoy more. Like it creates discussion. Mm -hmm. um, but the way I take away from it, and I'm also interested to hear how you guys take away from it a little bit, is um, I think like Archie's character at moments is he's a very cocky type of character, but you can kind of see deep down how insecure he really is about his own and about himself. He doesn't think too highly about himself, especially in the later halves of the movie. Yeah. He, he has this like level of like, I'm not good enough for these people type of thing. And he ends up doing something that's really, really, yeah. I mean, no other way to put it a little bit fucked up, not a little bit. He's it's definitely fucked up, but he does it in a weirdly noble way, which causes a lot of conversation. And I kind mm -hmm. of like that. I actually really enjoy that aspect of his character that he almost takes the fall he lands on the grenade by being an asshole. I don't want to mm -hmm. give anything away, but I think that's probably the best way. He's the spice in the in the meal. He's, yeah. just, he's the I mean, ingredient that throws everything off a bit. Because that's how he enters the story too, is by like yeah. throwing things yeah. off kilter. It's the one little thing that's kind of like, it, it makes the dish perfect, but also it's a little bit like, well, that changes it. It like uh, makes yeah. your eyes water a little bit. Yeah. Like, <laughs> but I know that like, Simon and I have had many conversations about Archie's character because I know how um, Simon's girlfriend, Emily, who also worked on the film, Emily Zisco, we'll give her a little shout out there. I know how she views the character, which is definitely very different than I view the character. And we've had very interesting conversations on essentially what his character kind of represents and how what he does is very screwed up. But at the same time, that's kind of what he needs to be. Like you wouldn't accept him as someone other than that. I don't know. Simon, what do you think about, about Arch? Yeah, I think he's I think he's like so interesting in that he like toes the line. I mean, like you said, it's it's kind of clear the stuff he does is bad, is messed up, and but you're never quite certain whether you feel bad for him or you're mad at him. And it's probably some of both. And mm -hmm. I think that was like something that we knew was important from the beginning but I, I also don't really ever remember being conscious like okay we have to make him his character appear this way or or present things in this way in order to get that balance but I like it just kind of we were like all right we we hopefully will get that balance and people won't hate him too much but also people won't just think he's great and we just I feel like kind of hoped that that would happen and I think it did I think there's of course, you're going to have people who fall on either side of that line of how they feel about him. But if you have a, if you have some sort of split between those two things, that means you've probably found somewhat of a middle ground, which is what we were going for. But I, I do want to ask you, Dylan, I'm curious. Another thing I always was impressed by was the fact that, like, you from the beginning owned up to the fact that, like, yeah, Archie is the character that's most based off me and he does some of the worst stuff in the movie and like just putting that out there and being so comfortable with that, you know, be like that comfortable with that vulnerability, you know what I mean? So was there ever, was there ever a point whether when, when it was when you were writing it or when we were making it or even editing it where you got scared or like had to try to decide to change something or not change something based on how you felt it would like reflect on yourself? Um, have you, did you have those conversations mm -hmm. with yourself? Uh, I, yeah, I have many, many conversations with myself. <laughs> um, I don't know. 
I think uh, now that it's out in the open in a podcast, maybe I feel a little bit more embarrassed about it. Like that. Like, <laughs> yeah, I don't mean to. We can no, we can edit this out. No, too. no, no. It's totally fine. It's fine. It's um. I you know I'm not one to really hide my feelings or my opinions about things ever. Right. So it doesn't really matter. <laughs> but, uh, I think that the the thing is, people that know me can see that the character arch is based off of me, and the people that don't know me that watch the movie probably don't know that it's based sure, off of me. Sure, sure, And that's sure. the difference. And I I've always been so amazed by people's ability like actors in film to like let everything go and do things that's just not very comfortable and that like you know that like i couldn't do in front of others Mm -hmm. um and i think that you know um for my for writing it becomes a lot easier to write from what you know and it's easier it's almost easier to hide behind the facade of a character when people don't really know who you are but it's my way of freeing any inhibitions i have of acting ridiculous in front of people Mm. Um, so I don't really think too hard about like the things I've done, um, that like represent Archie's character and how that represents me. Because if, if I really did think about that and was embarrassed by it or like felt really bad about it, then I shouldn't probably be doing it in my day-to-day life in general. Yeah. Yeah, you know? absolutely. I mean, and let's, let's make it clear. Cause we're not like giving any plot details away. Archie doesn't like murder anyone. He doesn't like <laughs> commit any crimes or like do anything super show. fucked up. Should disclaim that pretty, yeah, pretty hard. Yeah. yeah. Uh, to be fair, I actually, strictly legal. I was just like, yeah, <laughs> I originally wrote a short story for a class about two characters named Archie and Lloyd, which is where I get the names Archie and Lloyd from. Um, and in that story, the Archie character does way worse things than the, in the Dilettantes film. So, mm. and if I was comfortable enough to let people read that one and like assume that it was my per- like my personality, then like this is fine. You know, like you can't you can't really tell what's based off reality and not based off reality. So. But yeah, so anyways, I guess that was a tangent on like what uh, Lewis found very difficult at first became very easy. What about you guys? What did you what did you guys uh, think? I will say putting trailers together was it got hard at first because I was like, what the, what the hell? Trailers, yeah. How could we possibly make a trailer? You know, like I don't know how to do that. And then once you get it going, and I'm sure Simon felt this way too, it just it got natural. I was like, I was like, wow, I gotta put this scene in. I gotta do this one. Yeah, it's gonna be great, guys. Yeah, absolutely. No, I I remember Dylan and I were just like doing a late night editing, and I was supposed to be working on like a scene. Might have been the gallery party, honestly. And I was just like, ah, this is hard. I don't want to do this right now. I want to edit a trailer. Like that would be more enjoyable. <laughs> it was the same thing where I just kind of started it because I didn't want to edit another scene, but I didn't really have a clear idea of what I wanted to do because I knew I didn't want to just illustrate the major plot points, but then how do you get people to watch the movie? So I just literally started like pulling nice shots from the movie that looked good. I was like, well, let me just pull some of the best shots and moments and put them together and see how that works. And wasn't sure at all that it was going to like add up to anything. But I did find, like you said, as I started to put one shot in, I went like, oh, then right, this next one should go here. And then this next one should go here. And it became kind of easier and easier as I went through it and just more like, you're not thinking about conceptually what it should be. It was just like instinctual, like this feels like it should be the next thing. And then this feels like it should go next. And then when you're finished, you're like, no, oh, yeah, I think that's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I guess that would be 
something that was easier than maybe I expected, mm -hmm. but felt yeah. like it wasn't going to be at first. Yeah. More fun than work, too. Yeah, it was really fun. And I remember showing it to Dylan and him being like, oh, man, like, that's awesome. Like, because it was the first time we'd seen any promotion, like any yeah. a mm -hmm. synthesis of mm. our this huge project, this big story boiled down to like 45 seconds to a minute. And it's kind of crazy to yeah. see that it all encapsulated in such a brief little like well, bite sized I mean, thing. Man, when you're editing, editing, you know, especially when you're editing like a low budget <laughs> thing where you can't spend all day on like one scene, there were days like me and Simon don't really know how to organize a f like a uh, film perfectly. This is our first time doing it, man. You spend like the whole day on like two minutes of this scene or something and it's just so unbelievably draining that like the the trailer looks like a lot of fun because there's no nobody stopping you from doing what you want and the More story freedom. and the script yeah, yeah the story and script is stopping you from doing certain things mm -hmm. and then your limitations on sets are stopping you from doing certain things mm -hmm. so that was uh that was definitely a process well maybe we could talk a little bit about how so much of the post-production process was just fixing mistakes that we made in production. Like, oh, yeah. Obviously, the cliche oh, yeah. of fix it in post is yeah. like was yeah. was very uh, that was our motto. Very <laughs> true motto. for us. <laughs> we'll, we'll put that out now, man. So the times like when we were like getting the equipment and getting ready to make this film, there was there was definitely a group of um, BU film students that had started to hear a little bit about the fact that me and Simon um, were making this feature. And uh, a lot of them, like, their responses were either, like, very shocked or very much, like, a pat on the back, like, oh, sure you are. Like, of course you're going to do that one day. <laughs> and, you know, I feel very proud that it got done. Like, of course I, I feel very proud. And I don't think everybody probably feels really proud it got done. Mm -hmm. But let's not just kid ourselves that it went perfectly from like start to end because there was some serious serious complications we've been talking this film up for like an hour now we got to just like shit on it and be like we fucked this up we fucked this up we yeah, gotta we gotta give exactly. people the full story clearly clearly i think for me the biggest problem was when i was writing the whole thing i really wanted to write three like four different main characters and then it turned into be about three and a half main characters people that felt very even throughout the film and that you could very much view it from any of their perspectives and call them the definitive main character and i, I still think we did that really well like i know brian has talked to me a bunch of times about thinking that cat was the main character i mean jasper just your initial like uh like what you said about archie about how he has the most interesting arc kind of defends the fact that he may be the main character and he doesn't even show up until like the after 25 minutes. So that's it's really nice that we have this kind of pyramid that builds up with two characters to three characters to four characters and it seems like people can really resonate with these characters in a way that makes them all seem like they're a main character. Now, I do think the downside of that is giving proper amount of screen time to characters. So a nightmare that became that happened later was continuity for us with mm. different types of shots that we had to get for four characters when they're on screen together and editing. And I think that's genuinely like where I see the most like faults. Like I, I'm not giving anything away specifically. Mm -hmm. There are so many different scenes where it was a nightmare for me and Simon to edit, where we were like in the in the editing studio until like 2 a.m. trying to get this scene done because we have to like scrounge through so many different shots for all these different characters and find their best moments and like give them enough coverage. That is honestly, mm -hmm. I see why people don't do that in film. 
And even when they do have like, um, like you know, twenty million dollars to do it, I see why they don't want to have that many main characters. That sucks. And why every was, professor tells you like only have one protagonist. That's how you have <laughs> yeah, to do it. Exactly. Yeah. Tell Marvel Dude, that. It, yeah, yeah. Very true. Yeah, yeah. True. There you go. Dude. Yeah, Marvel's got a lot more money than we do. Yes. I mean, Cat wasn't Absolutely. just shooting spider webs <laughs> out of her arm like throughout half the movie. So. My no, God. but I I even remember when you were filming the 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 stoner scene uh, at my at your apartment. house. Yep, yep, there was so um, Sarah was on top of it with the continuity. Oh, she was yeah. like really nailing us every single time. I had like just even my sweater on differently, and like and I was I saw the amount of work you guys were putting into making sure that there was no continuity issues and. I think it's just one of those things that's so hard to control, and it's like, mm-hmm. and like, yeah. even it's just based on what you're saying, because I because I saw how hard you worked to like keep it as as tr- as continuous as possible. Like, yeah, man, yeah, yeah sure. I can't even imagine. Like, and that scene that scene was the first. I wasn't there for that. My, Brian and I weren't there for that. That was the no, first yeah, scene we was, shot in the entire movie. We had to plan it the day after, I think, right? Yeah, you were there the day after. And uh, you're right, Sai, that was the first day we shot. And we had to plan it in a week because for some reason, uh, Zach, uh, Zachary Morgan, who plays Lloyd, um, he wasn't available the rest of the winter. And we needed that winter shot. So we had to plan that in a week. And I remember calling Simon in a complete panic. Um about like, uh, like I, was, I wasn't even in Boston at the time. I had to drive up to Boston to get it done. And I was in a complete panic about like, dude, what are we gonna do for food? We don't have any actors to play these roles yet. Like, how are we gonna get this done? We have no equipment. And Simon, you did a really good job many times calming me down. I, will give, I give credit to Simon <laughs> right now for the amount of times I had to call him and say, do you really think we're making a feature right now? And Simon go, of course, dude, it's going to happen. Don't worry about <laughs> wow, it Wow, that's, that's so funny that I was, I was projecting that confidence to make you feel better because I was so, also so unsure. <laughs> like I remember, especially because I wasn't there and couldn't directly control anything. And it was the first scene we were shooting and it was fucking complicated. Was, there's six characters who have lines. It's outside at night in winter like we didn't know if there was going to be enough light none of the crew had worked together before like we just everything pointed to like it not going well and no. i felt i did kind of feel like if this if we just fuck up and fail to to c- complete this scene to get this scene all the things we need to get from it the movie might not like happen. might not happen. You know what I mean? Because it was like that was three months it's a, before. It's a fairly important scene too. It is. It's actually one of my favorite scenes on the page. It was one of my favorite scenes to write, but that was honestly the worst scene to start with because of all the complications that you had to go through. We had to change locations yep. in that week. I didn't have a place to go. Jasper was nice enough right. to say, use our, use our, uh, our rooftop uh, terrace. I we had to, as well. Yeah, we had to. We had to bring. This. We had to bring a couch in. Like I had to bring a couch to his house. Like cast which was totally actors. ruined, by the way. <laughs> by oh, the end destroyed. Of it all. <laughs> oh my no. Parents, my parents had that couch since 1977, and it gets ruined on our. On our <laughs> concept, you know? I so didn't I, know that. Oh, yeah, it was we, so we for the rest of the shoot. That's amazing how how your priorities are, right? So like your priorities <laughs> to get the couch to Jasper's house for a movie is like immediate, but to get it out of Jasper's house once the movie's over is like, dude, I left it there for seven months. <laughs> <laughs> it never moved. The amount of logistical things we had to do in that one week and somehow, oh, uh, shout out again to Emily Zisco, who, uh, Simon's girlfriend, who came out to help on that sh- uh, that day. Yeah. She had no obligation to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, 
my sister who decided that she, my sister Josie Bentlage, who decided to uh, come out and also play a stoner character. She, third stoner. Third stoner. Third stoner. Um, <laughs> check out for her lines. She does not smoke weed, by the way, and agreed to smoke weed for that night. <laughs> so Brave soul. Brave soul, yeah. Ever since we talked about it, man, we've always had this idea of rather than doing things separately and compartmentalized, you kind of combined every role of actors, directors, producers, and you you all take a contributing factor to that role. Yeah. And, um, I don't know. I really think there's a level of trust that needs to go into something like this because you need to know the people you're going to work with. and. You just have to think about it on the fly. Like, okay, we need a film score. Who are we going to use? Oh, I got a friend, Jasper. And I know that at the time, Simon, you had never met Jasper. No, right? I think or I you had. Met, you met Jasper New Hampshire, once. Right? Yeah. yeah, New Hampshire. Yeah. So you met him once, but Brian had never met him. Brian mm -hmm. mostly had to just trust our judgments on who we yeah. were working with. Because mm -hmm. yeah. he was never in Boston during the like filming. <laughs> you know? He was there for like two or three days. Mm -hmm. There's a level of trust on those things. And I think that's where I think that's where Sarah came in. You know, I knew Sarah really well, but at the same time, I really trusted Simon's judgment of saying she was a great director. And I said, yeah. you know what? Then that's all I need. You know? mm -hmm. And that makes, that makes yeah. better a collaboration. I think there's something about being yeah. desperate. <laughs> it's <laughs> like you have to trust. And that's something I hold very dear to me. Like that's something I really value in this field is like people I can trust. Because mm -hmm. it's, it's hard to come by. And, I, and I, I think this whole process was such a good starting place because it gave us such a good example of like there needs to be some trust and you need to let go of your of control and your vision at a lot of times um and there there were scenes that i wish would have gone differently but that came out better because you had the criticism that you did and like mm -hmm. and it's like it's coming it's like you guys are you guys have a good taste in music but i've studied it so it's like you know there's a part of letting that go totally and, totally but that was for the better and i, I definitely like Felt really good about it at the end. So oh, let's let's just go in for that right now. I'm I'm very worried to to say this publicly because I think when you don't hear it publicly, then you don't uh, really notice oh it. But uh, <laughs> oh man, uh, there are two songs in the film that are uh, originally not Jasper's that he spruced up a little bit. But one of mm -hmm. them <laughs> is uh, a song in the film that is definitely not in time. And uh, that's my <laughs> fault. And uh, we definitely wanted to fix that, but it didn't. wasn't able to get fixed. I don't want to even tell you which one it is because if you know it's not in time, then you immediately if hear it's If someone can point it out, they'll win a free viewing. Wait, <laughs> 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 what? A free <laughs> piece of merchandise. Dilettante. Well, so I, will, I will call you and thank you. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. That Some was a nightmare. Number. That was a nightmare, man. That was also... I mean, what else? Like, Brad, what do you think was, like, a nightmare? Just, like, not good. You're like, holy hell, what the hell did we do? <laughs> I mean, the year and a half of post-production limbo was hell. Yeah. Especially yeah. for me, because I was the liaison telling yeah. everybody. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Uh, just for, just for everybody true. listening, me and Simon and uh, Brian had all lived on the East Coast, and Jasper, actually. We all lived on the East Coast. Um and then the three of us out of the four decided to just fuck off at the end of like the summer. So now these two are out in LA. I live out in Amsterdam and Brian's still over here on the East Coast just being our liaison whenever we need him. So yeah. it's a, it's genuinely a help project for him. If yeah. you got a problem in the East Coast, hit me up. <laughs> He's a fixer. He's a fixer. He's a fixer. I'm a fixer. I would want to say though, tailoring it back to Sarah and everyone else on the cast and crew, I was really surprised every time I've been on set and just watching the film through editing and whatnot, just how natural 
everyone fit into this film. Like we lucked out hard yeah, with everyone yeah. who contributed this film in terms of just the three of us, as well as Jasper and Kyle, the score, Marina, um, Sam, Lizzie, Lewis, Zach, uh, yeah. Sarah, everyone just like came in with their own ideas, but it all worked out super cohesive. I feel like without any of them, if like one was missing, the film wouldn't be what it is. I agree. Mm -hmm. I definitely agree. And that's not to say we didn't have our complications. We definitely right. had some complications to some people. Um, but overall, the majority, the vast majority was really, really probably the perfect person for yeah. that. Of role. the core group. That's also all yeah. our side, uh, side people. You can't imagine it being anyone different. After, after you've done it yeah, with I'm them, sorry. you couldn't imagine anyone else doing it because you're like, wow, they just did such a great job. And there were some people that we worked with like some people we worked with like Jasper, you know, who we knew a little better, had relationships with, or like I had worked with Sarah before, but there's also like for Marina, our DP, and for our actors, like we hired them basis off the basis of like their reel, you know, like Marina sent us like just a reel of her work, of her stuff that she had shot that we liked. And we were like, okay, like, wow, she's a, she's a good DP. So I guess we'll bring her on. And hopefully she like fits in, in terms of her personality and style with what we want to do and everything. And same with the actors you only see them through like a video of them saying the lines and you're like well they did a pretty good job so I guess we just have to trust that they going back to trust like based off the small sample that they will give what we want to give and also bring their own to it and I think everyone did do that and we were you're right Brian we were super lucky that that was the case mm -hmm. Thanks very much for listening to uh, our takeaways and uh, the things we really loved about our movie and the things that we wish we did differently. Um, it was a pleasure talking with these guys after two years of hard work. It really uh, feels good to be able to kind of just comment on things we did and things we want to do differently. Um, stay tuned for um, the female version of uh, the Dilettantes podcast. Uh, we'll be getting together all the uh, uh, girls, the cinematographer, director, and uh, two lead actresses to talk about their experiences on the film and what they thought about it and their takeaways. So um, stay tuned. Hope you enjoy it. <laughs>